Paul, of course, an important leader and founder of the Christian movement, a letter to the churches, uh, not only in Ephesus, but, but in the surrounding areas, but a letter not only to them, also a letter to us by which God communicates his grace and his power to us. And we'll find here once again Paul praying. He uh, prayed at the end of, of chapter 1 and he prays again here at the end of chapter 3. And so I'm going to pick up in verse uh, 14 and read to the end of the chapter. Ephesians uh, 3 uh, verse 14. Hear now the word of the Lord. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, yes, we join our amen to the one that we find here in your word. We join Paul's celebration of your abundant power. Your ability to do beyond what we can dream And we join Paul's prayer here for power, his prayer for strength, and we need that now as we come to your word. Many of us come exhausted, we come tired, we come confused, we come hurting, and we come in deep need of your grace. And we come as your people trusting that we will find it here. The promises that you have made that as we gather in the name of Jesus around your word, you will keep those promises. That your spirit is present and he is active. Would you make us attentive and open to receive your work this morning? And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. This week I received an advertisement email from Apple. Uh, Maybe some of you got uh, the same one. And on the subject line it read, Gifts to empower your graduate. Not gifts to celebrate your graduate, but gifts to empower your graduate. And I thought that was a pretty effective message because graduation, which is this time of year, graduation isn't just a time of celebration. It is also a time of questioning. It is a time when one wonders, do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes to make it at the next stage? Whether that's first grade or whether that's middle school or whether that's college or grad school or a job, a career. Do I have what it takes? Do I have the capacity 
to live life well, to do what I need, to do what I want, to do I have what it takes. And of course, we all understand that those questions do not go away after graduation. Those questions sit under the surface of our lives every day. Do I have the capacity to live life well? The marketers at Apple understand how compelling those questions are. And they understand that those are questions about power. And so they connect to our desire for power with that advertisement. And maybe you'll be surprised to hear a Christian pastor say this, but the desire for power isn't a bad thing. The desire for power isn't a bad thing. Paul wants it. This great leader of the Christian church, this great missionary and church planter, he wants power. He wants power for Christians and the church in Ephesus. He wants power for Christians and the church here in Tallahassee. Power is a major theme, a dominant theme here in this Prayer, and it's a dominant theme in this letter, the letter to the Ephesians. Paul wants power. He wants it for himself, and he wants it for us. He knows that if we attempt to live a life of faithfulness to Jesus Christ, we will face fierce opposition. We will face daunting challenges, external ones and internal ones. And so he turns to God and asks him for gifts that will empower us. And so I want to come to that request this morning. I want to come to Paul desiring power. And I want to ask two questions of this prayer about power. What is it? How do we get it? First of all, what is it? Well, It's not the force in Star Wars. Okay, let's get that out of the way here at the beginning. This power isn't the force in Star Wars. It's not some energy field, some neutral energy field that is sort of hanging out there into which we connect ourselves through meditation or some other technique. That was the spirituality of many people in the city of Ephesus. They thought that power was some substance, some spiritual substance out there that you could grab a hold of with the right words or with the right jewelry. And so Paul is very careful to say, the power that I want isn't impersonal, it's personal. This is a personal power. And so notice that this passage moves from strength, To knowledge, to love, to fullness. He says, I want for you the ability, that's power, to know. This knowledge is not informational, it is experiential. I want for you the power to know what? To know love. The love of a person. Not an impersonal force. I want you to be able to know the love of Christ. And to be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul desires for us 
the capacity to receive, to bear God's loving presence. That's Christian power. Christian power is the ability to be loved. Sitting behind this conception of power is the Old Testament temple. That place where God's people encountered God's presence. His loving, His powerful presence. And maybe you'll remember from the Old Testament story that at at significant moments in that story, God demonstrates, He visibly demonstrates that He is with His people by filling that structure with what is called His glory. This shining and fiery cloud. You you can read about that in Exodus 40 after Moses completes the tabernacle. The cloud of God's glory descends on it. You can read about that in 1 Kings 8 after Solomon completes the temple in Jerusalem. Once again, that cloud descends and the people see it and they know that God is with them. You can read about it in Ezekiel chapter 43. Only there, it's not a present experience for God's people. It is a future vision. It's a vision of the future. The prophet sees this expansive, massive architecture of a new temple, a new building project where God will show up And be with people in a better way than he has ever been with them before. That's the vision of the future that Ezekiel has. And so here, Paul praying for power. And as he does, doesn't he talk about architecture? Doesn't he talk about the height and the depth and the length and the width? Paul is praying for Ezekiel's vision to happen in us. For our inner beings to become that new temple where God shows up and dwells in a better way than he ever has before. Paul prays Ezekiel's vision For us, that we would have the capacity, the space to receive God's loving presence in Christ through the Spirit. Christian power is the ability to receive and attend to God's loving presence with us. When we were renovating this building, I would walk in here and I would see the mess of wires and exposed studs and that ugly hole across the middle of the ceiling. And I would walk in and I would feel empty and powerless. Because whatever handy is, I am the opposite. And so I would step in here by myself and I would feel empty and powerless. But that all changed when I would walk into this room with Tom Lindley or Dave Conrad or some of the other men that worked with us on this project. Why? 
Because those men, they had the competency for and the commitment to this project. And so I, when I walked into the mess of this room with them, I did not feel as empty. I did not feel as powerless. How much more potential for fullness, for empowerment, for us, as we step into the mess of this world, as we step, in, step into the mess of our relationships, of our vocation, of our life together, how much more the potential for fullness, for empowerment, because we step towards our life, we step into our life with God. With God's love, not only for us, but with us. In us. Because of Jesus. And through the Holy Spirit. That is our power. It is the ability to receive that. It is the capacity to experience that. And I need to point out. That Paul. Doesn't ask God. To change the mess. Paul doesn't ask God to change the mess. You see, the Ephesians were in a very difficult situation. Paul doesn't ask God to change the situation. He asks God to change them. Dan Allender says, If your cry for relief is louder than your cry for a changed heart, you will never mature as a Christian. Ouch. If your cry for relief is louder than your cry for a changed heart, you will never mature as a Christian. Now, please please hear me on that because that can get distorted. That does not mean that it is wrong to ask God to change an external situation. That is not wrong. That is a good thing. We see that throughout the Bible. Even Jesus, as he's headed to the cross, asks God to change his external situation. He says, please take this cup from me. So it is not wrong to ask God to change a situation, a difficult situation, a painful situation. But we must always learn from Paul to accompany that desire for external change with a desire For internal change. With a desire for this inner work. This inner work of our heart expanding like the Grinch. In the Christmas story. Our heart expanding to receive the immeasurable love of God that He has shown to us in Christ Jesus. It's not wrong to ask God for external change. But we must always accompany that with a desire for this inner work. A desire, a request for the strength that comes. The strength that comes from knowing, from being deeply persuaded that we are not alone. And that we are loved even if that external situation doesn't. That is our power. 
Our power as a Christian is the capacity to know Christ's love for us and his loving presence with us. And then that raises, of course, the second question. How does that happen? If that is our power, if that's how we are empowered, how do we get it? How do we get that power? And I think a key to answering that question is the first three words of our passage. For this reason. Words that Paul has used earlier. He used them at the beginning of chapter 3. And he says, for this reason. And then he kind of interrupts himself with a passage that we considered last week. He interrupts himself. And then he comes to verse 14 and he says, oh, wait, wait, wait. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah. For this reason. And the point of those words, the point of that beginning, is that what he says in chapter 3 comes from what he said in chapters 1 and 2. What he asked for in chapter 3 happens because of what he talks about in chapters 1 and 2, where he narrates our identity, remember? Where he tells the story of who we are and what we have in Jesus. And how does chapter 2 end? He says, at the end of chapter 2, In Him, in Jesus, you are being built into a dwelling place for God. You hear the relationship? He's asking here in chapter 3, He wants us to become a temple. He wants our inner beings to become the dwelling place of God's loving presence. But he's already told us we have it. He, in chapter 3, asks for what we already have if we are in Jesus. Isn't that remarkable? He is not not asking for something that he's wondering whether it's going to happen or not. He's not saying, man, I hope I get these words just right. So that this will happen for the church. So that this will happen for Christians. No, he's asking for what we already have. What we've already been given in Jesus. That's why the prayer begins and ends with the abundance of God. He begins talking about God as the origin of all things and the possessor of a great wealth. And then he ends the prayer talking about the abundance of God's ability that he can do anything beyond what we can imagine, what we can think. The point is that there's no question about whether there's enough or not. There's no question about whether there's enough power or not. God can do beyond what we can even conceive. And then in the middle of the prayer... As Paul is expressing that desire for us to grow towards love, how does he say we are able to grow towards love? Why can we grow towards love? Because we're already rooted and grounded in love. You see, we can become the glorious temple of God's loving presence because we're already founded on God's loving presence if we are in Jesus. We can grow towards the sunshine of Christ's love because our lives are already planted deeply in the soil of Christ's love. Here's the point. Our pursuit of power as Christians 
It's not looking for something new. It's going deeper into what we already have. Our pursuit of power isn't looking for something new. It's going deeper into what we already have. It's not like, speaking of Apple products, it's not like the power cord I used to have for my computer. Whenever I plugged that power cord in, I wasn't sure whether it was going to work or not. <laughs> I would plug it in and the light would flicker and it'd turn orange and then it'd turn green and then turn orange again and then it'd go completely out and I would jiggle the cord and smooth it out and plug it in again trying to get the light to stay on. That is not our life as Christians. That's not how we seek power. We aren't jiggling the power cord to try to get the light to stay on. And I say that because I know some of you, when you hear that Christian power is the capacity to love, you're immediately guilty. You immediately think it's the capacity for me to love God, for me to love others. And you immediately think about your failures to do that. And you immediately think about your weakness. And you're immediately cynical about the possibility of this kind of power. Now... Paul will go on to call us to love, an act of love for God, an act of love for each other. But please start where he starts. He doesn't start in our love for God, our love for others. He starts in the immeasurable love of God for us, revealed in Jesus Christ, given to us through the Holy Spirit. Our life isn't jiggling the power cord trying to keep the light on. Our pursuit of power is more like falling into the ocean. If you were to take a trip to see a beautiful coral reef, it would be a good thing for you to get trained in deep sea diving. That would be a good thing. But in the end, how do you see the beautiful coral reef? You jump in and you open your eyes. That's how you will be empowered as a Christian. That's how we will be empowered as a church. It's good for us to be trained in prayer and scripture reading and other spiritual practices. Those are all good. But we will be only be empowered as we fall into the ocean of God's love revealed in Jesus and open our Open our hearts to receive what is immeasurable. So listen, as we read this text about power, as we read this prayer for empowerment, the question isn't, do I have what it takes? The question isn't, do I have this? The question is, does this have you? Does this present reality have your heart? Are you willing to let go of your shame enough? Are you willing to let go of your fear and your guilt enough to receive the immeasurable love of God for you?
And the love of God, not only for you, but with you. Let's pray.